James chapter 4, verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Now, the person they're talking about there is just very... Sounds like a conversation that we've had, we've said, we've heard. He says, you that say, well, today or tomorrow we're going to go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. The sentence continues into verse 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. You say you're going to do this, but you don't know what's going to be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, in other words, instead of saying, this is what I'm going to do, this is what you ought to say, if the Lord will, <laughs> we shall live and do this or that. Let's pray together, all right? Father, we thank you again tonight for the privilege of being here, and we thank you for your word, the wisdom of your word, and we acknowledge it, we want to learn from it, we can relate to it, especially with things that are going on in our world today. So we pray that you'd help us to think about our individual lives and our ministry and in the moment that we have in time, we pray. We, we love you, Lord, and we're just so thankful that you love us, that you care about us, and that we're in your hands and we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, one thing I want to mention is uh, I've had the opportunity in the last week or two especially, but even in the last day or two particularly, of um, talking to a lot of preachers and reading the things that preachers are saying or hearing from preachers who call, people several call today, and, and just wanted to know what we're doing and how we're doing and these kind of things. But the thing that I appreciate, not only about preachers, but churches, is their desire just to do the right thing, not just do what everybody else is doing, not to do something because they're afraid to do it, but to do it for the right, the right thing for the right reason. And, don't, and everybody don't always come down on the same side of that. And that may mean nothing to you, but it makes me greatly appreciate people, it pertains to this passage, who want the will of God. We want, we want God's will for us. And so I want to look at this passage tonight and uh, just, first of all, just kind of look at the basic lessons that are found in James chapter 4, and then I want to really focus on our lives and our time and the, and the time that we're living in. But one of, the, one of the first things we see that's obvious, that's a warning, and it's a warning not to presume upon the future. Look again in verse 13, you that say... Today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Just like we heard during the prayer time, there's a, there is a possibility, a distinct possibility, that this person who wants to go from one state to another state to get a surgery may not be able to. You know, we can't say for certain, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow. And this is what I'm going to be doing next year. There's a short-term and a long-term plan involved here. He says, first of all, in verse 13, 
you say today or tomorrow we're going to do this. We're going to travel today or tomorrow, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, but we're going to go to a certain city, and then there's a long-term application, and we're going to continue there a year. And there's another bit of presumption. We're going to buy and sell and get gain. We're going to profit. So there are three things in there. We're going to, we, we're going to make a short-term decision. It'll be today or tomorrow. And we're going to be there at least a year, and it's going to be profitable. We're going to make money. And the truth of the matter is, you don't really know about any of those things. You don't know what you're going to do today or tomorrow. You don't know. You sure don't know what you're going to be doing next year. And you don't really know. Look at the stock market. You don't really know if it's going to be profitable. You know. And for those of you who have nothing invested in that, that may not mean to you. But but for some people here, you know, when if you've looked at 20, 25, 30 percent of your wealth evaporate in about a week or two, then you know you may you may say, well, I may not. It may not be as guaranteed a deal as I thought it was. So. I think the emphasis in verse 13 is on those two words, we will. It's like a declaration of certainty. We're going to do this. And, there's, and uh, a lot can happen in a day, can't it? A lot can happen in a week. A lot can happen in a year. Now, let me just, let me just insert something that I think is equally important. That is this. This does not mean we should not make plans then. Because we can't predict for sure what's happening tomorrow. We can't predict for sure what's happening day after tomorrow. We sure can't predict what's going to happen in a year. That doesn't mean we're not to make plans. And, and just to kind of give some balance to it, hold your finger here in James 4, and we're going to go to a few passages. The first one is Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. One of several references to our little friend, the ant. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Go watch the ant. Watch what she's doing. You'll learn from it. Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, no one standing over her, no one telling her what to do, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. In other words, she's planning for the next season. When it's harvest time, she's planning for the winter. She's, that's planning. That's, that's thinking ahead. So because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow doesn't mean we shouldn't plan. Go with me, if you would, please, to the New Testament. Another example, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. So... First of all, we know that we're not to presume upon the future. We can't be sure what's going to happen. But that doesn't mean we, would, we shouldn't make wise plans. Proverbs, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, Paul writing to the church at Corinth. In verse 1, he says this. Now concerning, talking to the church in Corinth. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given order... To the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Here's the instruction. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. He's going to take up, he's taking up a special offering for a special need 
Paul intended to go by there, pick up the offering, take it to place it would be applied. And he says, every week when you come together, put some of it by so that when I come, it won't be necessary. That, you call that planning. Are you with me? Planning. Planning ahead. Thinking ahead. Uh, you're in 1 Corinthians. Go to the right just a couple of pages to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and there are many examples of this, by the way. We're just giving a few. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse uh, 15, Paul writing to the same church, his second epistle. Verse 15, and in this confidence I was minded to come unto you before that you might have a second benefit. The word minded means I'm planning on it. It's in my head. I'm thinking about it. I'm planning. I plan to come unto you a second time to bring a second benefit or blessing. Verse 16, and here's the other part of my plan, to pass by you into Macedonia. Corinth's in the southern part of that region. He'd go from there north up to Macedonia, pass by you into Macedonia, and then to come again out of Macedonia unto you, and of you to be brought on my way toward Judah. <coughs> He's got a plan together. The plan is that he's going to come by and he's going to see the Corinthians. He's going to go up into Macedonia where Philippi or Berea are. He's going to leave Macedonia, come back down to Corinth. And then from Corinth, he's going to travel to Judea. That was his plan. Verse 17. When I therefore was thus minded, when I was thinking this way, making these plans, did I use lightness? In other words, do you think I was doing this Without thinking, was I doing this with, without thought, without pre, uh, consideration? Or the things that I purpose, his plans, do I purpose according to the flesh? Did I do this in the flesh, that with me there shall be no yea, yea, and nay, nay? But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay. And he goes on and explains that. But the point is... All these are examples of, the import, of people planning, godly people planning. Now, does God sometimes interrupt our plans? Sure. And uh, Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, you know, I, I planned repeatedly, I'm paraphrasing, to come to you, but Satan hindered me. So the point is, let's get back to James, if we could, in James chapter 4. God is saying to them, you're, you're, you're making presumptions. You're saying, we will do this. You're assuming and presuming upon the future. That doesn't mean we shouldn't make plans, but it does mean this. Things won't always happen the way we want them to. Right? Right, Mackenzie? <laughs> Things don't always happen the way we want them to. And... Um, I'm thinking about our preaching conference. I still haven't made the final decision on that. But we've put a lot of prayer and planning into this. We have literally scores, 60 or more people, preachers who are planning to come. And, I mean, we've worked on the menu. We've worked on a lot of different things. And we don't know if we're going to be able to have it or not because of extenuating circumstances. So... Things don't always happen the way we plan. And does, you know, it doesn't mean it's wrong to plan. I think it's right to plan. But we ought to say, if you look in verse uh, 
15, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. We ought to say, if the Lord does this, if the Lord's willing, this is what we want to do, this is what we're planning to do, this is what we're praying to do, this is what we think is right to do, but if the Lord wills, it'll happen. And, you know, we ought to always be submissive to God's will. To God's will, not our will, but God's will. I was talking to a friend of mine up in North Dakota today and, and told him what I told you Sunday, which is, you know, about our conference. It takes, sometimes I know what I want and, I've know, and I have reason to believe this, could be, this is God's will. And because we have our mind going in a certain way, sometimes it's hard for us to say, I want whatever God wants. We just sort of assume that God wants what we want. And sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. And so I told this dear brother, I just said, I said, the, the good thing is I finally got to the place and that I, it doesn't matter to me whether we have it or not. I just want God's will to be done. And by the way, that's a good place to be. But I don't always live there. You know what I'm saying? I don't always live there. And to me, that's what this James text is about. You know, we say we're going to do this. But we ought to always leave room in our plans for God to interrupt or for God to intervene or for God to change. Because, you know, God has, God's got a plan. And this, this whole world, and I know maybe for some of you, especially young people, you don't really see, you know, how serious this is. But this is a serious time we're going through. And uh, Brother Hoke and I were just talking about it before church just about the fact that, you know, surely something really good is going to come out of this, right? In some way, in some shape, some form, God's going to do something special. So, so verse 15 says, if the Lord wills, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. And, and tonight I want to talk, take this and just think about where we are and... And however this, what's going on in our world is affecting you, and it may not be affecting you much, but maybe it is economically, maybe it is in your work. Lots of people's works are uncertain, their jobs are uncertain. We have people that have already been laid off from their jobs because of this. And uh, one of the things we're fortunate for here in mid-America is that we have very few cases, confirmed cases, of this virus, but that could change, right? You know, that could change. I hope it doesn't change, but I'm just saying it could. It's not hard to understand how it could. You know, that's, it's easily transmitted, and that's why we have to be careful about where we are and what we're doing. For those of you who may not know, we met with our parents today in our school and said that effective indefinitely, beginning now and at least for the next couple of weeks, we're not going to be having school. We're trying to work with the parents and how to continuing their education at home, those kinds of things. Those are not things that they planned on. They're not things that we planned on. But, you, you know, God's got a plan. And as I said earlier, there are a lot of churches that even tonight are not meeting and won't be meeting for a period of time. And so one of the things that we have to decide about as, our, as a church 
is, you know, how long can we continue to do this? And you say, well, why wouldn't we? Well, just yesterday, um, the state of Iowa said that, that no groups can assemble over 10 people in that group. And that was a, like an executive order for the state of Today, the state of Maine made the same declaration. And so what we're doing here tonight would be in violation of, in those states, of the law. You follow what I'm saying? So, um, and there are many churches around us, I'm sure you know this, that aren't meeting tonight for this very reason. But it's not just because the law, it's because they're thinking about the health and safety of people in the church. And we ought to be thinking about the same thing, you know, because that's, that's the largest consideration, especially for older people. I mean, older than me. <laughs> older people, especially those who have underlying conditions. And by the way, some of these people Sunday were able to watch our, our recording of the broadcast, or the recording of the service and see it and hear it and be a part of it. I talked to one of them today that was very encouraged by that. And, and there's, and you know, everybody comes down on this a different way, but I, the knee jerk reaction for some people is it's not that serious. And I don't know if in some ways it's as serious as they're making it out to be. But it's a much easier sickness to transmit than just the normal flu. I, I understand 10 times more easy to transfer it to someone than the flu is. It's easily passed on. And, and the purpose of the restrictions, I don't believe, is to cut, take over the churches. I don't think that's what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to watch out for the health of people. And we give them credit for that. But then there's the legal aspect of it. And in our, in, as of today, Governor Parsons has said that as long as uh, you're not in a group more than 50, that you can still assemble. Now that could change by tomorrow because it changed in Maine today, it changed in Iowa yesterday. Everybody's doing different things. Um, but if the state were to say that, we're gonna, we're gonna comply or abide with what the state recommends, what the state says. So there's that, so, so why would this, we wanna know God's will, that's the point of it. We wanna know God's will. Part of it has to do with the health and well-being of people. I mean, you don't wanna pass anything on to someone and then get sick. And, and I, you know, this is how it happens. Um, this is how it could happen. You could take, uh, you could have been Let's just imagine there's a person driving from Chicago. They have a lot more cases in Illinois than we have in Missouri, but someone's traveling from Chicago and they're going to Oklahoma City and they stop in Walmart and get a snack and they're going in the line and they're right behind you and they cough and you don't even notice it. And they may not even know they have it. See, a lot of people have it and don't even know they have it. And four or five or six days later, all of a sudden you start developing symptoms and you may have already passed it on to somebody and you didn't know you had it. That's, that's exactly the way it works. And so to treat it like it's nothing, I think, is being naive. I think we ought to be serious, treat it serious. Wash your hands. Wash, cleanse your hands, you sinners. <laughs> right? Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Keep washing your hands. And remember this. The Pharisees washed their hands off. <laughs> but there's a third aspect, not just people's health and not just what the government says, 
but that is the community optics, what it looks like to the community. And if, if they said, for instance, if the powers that be said, we don't want you to have more than 25 people or more than 10 people and, and the community sees that we're just persisting on without regard, I don't think that's a good testimony. I don't think it would be wise to do that. So knowing God's will is what we want to do. We want to know what the Lord's will is. And I'm just going to give you a, just a few kind of practical possibilities. Because I said this Sunday, and so far it has not occurred, but we may eventually be looking at not meeting together. I mean, I could just list you right now. I'm not exaggerating. Church after church after church after church that I know personally that will not be meeting for at least the end of this month. That may happen to us. If the, and part of that would be if we just feel like it's risky or if we feel like it's um, um, if they change the rules. So we may be looking at that. We're going to be discussing some other options. For instance, even, sun, even this group is more than the threshold of 50 people. And Sundays would surely be over that threshold. So even, even if we continue to meet, we're probably going to change the schedule or the way we meet. We may have to have like two morning services with the children's church or something like that to make it happen. And you, you follow what I'm saying? It's not, it can't be business as usual until we get through this difficult times. Um, and in the meantime, for people who cannot come, who feel, don't feel comfortable coming, there's the online possibility to see the sermon, to listen to the sermon, and we're gonna improve that, um, hopefully even between now and Sunday. But if in the event that we have to stop meeting like this, you know, we, you, everyone would have that accessibility to be able to listen to the sermon, even if it's not a sermon like this standing before the, but it'll be a Bible study, because we need, we need to continue to meet the best way we can meet, and we need to get in the Word of God together, and we need to make sure that we're not letting our spiritual life uh, go in the wrong direction. So we're going to meet with some of our leaders and discuss these options. And I'd be glad to answer any questions in a moment if you have about it. But I'm just, I'm just saying we're not certain what it's going to be, but I can assure you even by this Sunday, the schedule or the meeting places and times is going to be different, even by Sunday. Because I'm not going to, I don't think it would be wise to continue to meet in excess of the numbers that they have said that this is the recommended. And from the Center for Disease Control and from our state governor, right now today, we'd be okay if we're under 50. So, okay? Now, can we give you a few words of encouragement having to do with that? Pardon me. <coughs> By the way, I'm not sick. I'm not a carrier. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been sick for a couple of weeks, but I just have this lingering cough. Okay. Um, so here, let me just give you some, I, I'm encouraged, honestly, 
because I think there's some reason this is happening besides just this virus. There's a reason for it. I think some good can come out of it. I don't think it's all negative. So whatever happens, number one, we need to stay connected. By that I mean we need to, we can, we can be, even if we all had to self-quarantine, that doesn't mean we can't communicate with each other. We can stay connected through social media, through texting, through making phone calls, through checking on one another. And one thing I would really encourage you, and if something were to happen that we cannot meet for a couple of weeks, then we would probably do something to facilitate this is providing some materials maybe for home Bible studies, family Bible studies, so we can, you know, maybe do something like that that we've intended to do for a long time and thought we should do and haven't done, and maybe this would create the opportunity to do that. So this, this could be a time of significant spiritual advancement, growth, individually, personally, as families. I want to go to, I'm, I'm finished here in James 4, but I want to go to the book of Psalms for a moment. Here's a verse of scripture. I think I'm on the right verse here. Psalm 4, if you'd turn there with me. Here's a verse of scripture that comes to my mind periodically when, when, you're going, when we're going through a difficult time. Psalm 4, just one verse. It's a Psalm of David, verse 1 says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. Thou hast, you helped me grow you enlarged me. You enlarged my capacity. You helped me grow when I was in distress. See, difficult times don't have to be times where we lose ground spiritually. They can be times when we gain ground spiritually. And so whatever happens, let's stay connected and let's encourage each other spiritually and realize that, you know, I'm thinking of that verse um, in Peter where he says that, um, the, the, bread, the things we go through, the brethren throughout the world are going through. And they are. I mean, the, the conference that I spoke in and my wife and I were a part of in uh, South Africa last year, that conference was scheduled for a week or two. And a friend of mine was going to go and preach that conference that we were in. They had to cancel that conference. And I'm just saying this is affecting people around the world because travel is interrupted and people's schedules are being changed. And sometimes we feel like it's really, it's really rink, put a wrinkle in my plans, but I promise you it's put a wrinkle in a lot of people's plans. So whatever happens, let's encourage each other and stay connected. Second of all, I think it would be good for us to look for opportunities to serve and to witness because surely God's working in somebody's life through this. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, surely God is doing that. We, we have a friend up in uh, Pennsylvania that they've launched a new ministry in their community, advertised it on their Facebook page, and encouraged their church members to share it with others 
that anybody in their region that's an elderly person who needs, maybe they need groceries, they need someone to get their medication, they're not offering to pay for all those things, they're just saying, if you want us to go pick it up and bring it to your house and deliver it to you so you don't have to get out, we're here to do that. And it's just an opportunity to be a blessing to people and a help to people. So let's look for ways, opportunities to serve and to witness. Like I said, I, I got a call today from someone that I haven't heard from, from a, for a year, never been to church here, saying, could we get together in, this week and do some counseling? So I think God's going to be working in people's lives. They ought to be thinking about it. I mean, you know, this upheaval in our world is something we're not accustomed to, but, but people instantly, or at least some do, they think this is not normal. I mean, when you go to Walmart and all the, how many of y'all have been to Walmart and you've witnessed firsthand the empty shelves and stuff? Let me see your hands. Have you, many of you? Most of you have, I haven't been there yet. But, it, you know, I, I've mentioned it Sunday. People say, man, it's weird. It's kind of creepy, you know. There's nothing on the shelves. Well, you, when people are seeing that, they're not just, at least some of them, they're not just thinking, what an inconvenience. They're probably thinking, what is happening in our world? You know, this is not normal. And we ought to be, we ought to, we ought to be prepared for opportunities to serve and witness. So, number one, let's stay connected. Number two, look for opportunities. Number three, be faithful in giving. You know, I'm... I'm not going to harp on that, but, but you know, the ministry, the missionaries that we support, the, the people that we're funding, you know, must be funded. And so don't, because we can't be in church, because we miss a service, whatever, um, we need to be faithful in that. And I'm sure we will be. By the way, I know a lot of our people give online, and maybe you've never considered it. This might be a good time to think about it. I'm not pushing people to do it. I, we, don't, we still give the old-fashioned way. Um, we still write checks, but um, if you're interested in that, you ought to talk to Brother Jedediah or Brother Ross about it. They could show you how. It's, it's very simple and easy and, and efficient. So, but let's continue to be committed to the ministry in that way. And then the, the, the fourth thing and the last thing I want to urge us to do is to pray, to really pray. Pray for those who are affected because of health issues, we're going to hear about more and more people. Since we're testing a lot more in America, we're going to be hearing more about more and more people that have been um, have positively been affected by the by the virus. But not just pray for those people. Now pray for missionaries. Y'all know that the trip Mrs. Moore was going to go on was canceled last week because of this. I mentioned uh, the fact that um, this, this other missionary trip was canceled. Uh, Brother Lot, our missionary in Peru, let us know, I think, a few days ago that, that the whole country is under lockdown in the country of Peru. Uh, Gary Kastner, the missionary that we support in Botswana, sent out a letter yesterday that said they have restricted their travel into South Africa where they need to go for medical issues, different things like that. Those things are, 
shut down. Brian Johnson, he was our missionary of the week last week. Brian Johnson in Lithuania had a trip planned to Uzbekistan and uh, they canceled that trip, which made me a little nervous that he was going anyway. He had a layover in Turkey. You know, those, those, some of those flights are risky in good times, <laughs> but not this kind of time. You could be, you could sneeze the wrong way and end up in a bad place. But I'm just telling you, pray for these missionaries. They're, you think your world is, is really turned upside down because you can't get, you know, six months worth of toilet paper. But I mean, this is drastically affecting missionaries and, and uh, the mission, our, our missionary to South Africa, George Hammett, left today, flying back to the States. Normally that's routine. It's not routine in a time like this. So, so pray, pray for the physical aspect of it. Pray for people, missionaries, pray for, pray for let's pray for revival. Because we need revival in America. And I don't like trouble. And these are troubling times. And not just because of the sickness, and that's a, that's a troubling thing, because of the economic upheaval, because, I mean, they're shutting down auto plants. The airlines are curtailing their schedule. And again, don't, don't be so self-centered as you think, well, I'm not planning on buying a car and I'm not planning on flying out of the country. But you know, all those things affect people. They affect people. And they affect their jobs, they affect their families. And really, I think it would be wise for us to pray that God would use this to create in people a hunger for spiritual things, a desire, you know, for God in their life. And wouldn't it be great if they, they being the people who don't know the Lord, if they knew a Christian and they could say, you know, there's something different about the way they're looking at this, you know. And so, so was this what we wanted? No, we were, I was saying, we were saying, you know, tomorrow we're going to do this and the next day we're going to do this and we're going to have a wedding and then we're going to have a preacher's conference and then we're going to, and sometimes it doesn't happen just the way you and I think it should. But you know what? It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that someone's in charge besides us. And I think that's a good thing. Don't you? Amen. Good to see you tonight.